example, uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the primary statement of Presbyterian beliefs includes the following information about baptism. I don't think this quote, it was a long quote, so I don't think it's in your notes. But it says, baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ, not only for the solemn admission of the party baptized into the visible church, but also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace for his engrafting into Christ, of regeneration, of remission of sin, and of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in the newness of life. Dipping of the person into the water is not necessary, but baptism is rightly administered by pouring or sprinkling water upon the person. Not only those that do actually profess faith in and obedience unto Christ, but also the infants of one or both believing parents are to be baptized. Now we would, right there already, what we've already talked about baptism up to this point, we would understand we don't believe that. We don't practice that way. As Baptists, we believe in immersion. That you should be, the word itself, we were just talking about this in our membership class Sunday, but the word itself means to dip under, to immerse. So, but as you read that, that it's, 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 it's interesting to take on church membership and, and how that is, it's, it's, it's just not seemed, the, the, the requirement of that being a born again. Uh, membership. So you have a child that's baptized, they're brought into membership, and they grow up. And, and again, you can have, here's, here's one of the dangers of things like that, and I mentioned this before, is giving someone a false sense of, of, of assurance, they, a false assurance of their salvation. So they, they go back, and I've heard people say this, I've always, I've always been a Christian. Has anybody always been a Christian? No, if, if that's the case, I mean, my first question is, are you eternal? Do you have a do you have a born on date? You know, do you have a date when you started as a person? You do. You know, you, that date is the day you were born, but your life started on the moment you were conceived. Okay, and then the nine months later, you're born. You're born on that date. Physically, you come into this world. Spiritually, it's the same way. We must be born again of the Spirit, and and so it's a, it's a very important thing. And I've had people tell me that I've always been a Christian. I've had kids that were, I've shared this with FCA, and they wanting to be officers, and they said, well, I've always been a Christian. Well, they've always been in church, and the church they were in didn't stress the importance. They didn't, I, I mean, I knew the church personally. They didn't do invitations. I had a really good friend who was there, and he was grieved by that. He's like, I'm not sure I'm Methodist anymore. Well, I didn't mean to blurt that, but he said, I'm not sure I'm Methodist anymore. He said, I think I'm Baptist. Because we'd never have invitation. No gospel's not presented, and an invitation presented for people to respond. And uh, so, but you have these situations where, where the importance of being a saved membership is just not important. There's just different views of it. So while Presbyterians teach that pedo-baptism uh, pedo does not confer salvation or regeneration, and I would contend that quote even kind of contradicts that. The way the quote is written sounds a lot like they're coming into the church, but, but when you make that profession of, ba- of being baptized to be in membership or whatever, it, it's, it's going all the way with salvation and then they're saying baptize children. So it confers that. So when you read that, to me, it's like, if that's not what you're meaning, you're not very clear in the way you're making your statements there. 
So they would say that it does not confer salvation or regeneration. They nevertheless confirm that it is the right of initiation into the visible church. That is, one can be a member of the church without consciously professing faith in Christ. Okay? Um, We would not agree with that. Likewise, the church in England, also known as the Anglican Church or Episcopal Church, also teaches the practice of infant baptism as a means of church membership. Now, y'all know what we do. We don't do any church, uh, any child baptisms. We do, uh, we'll do child um, dedications, and we will anoint them with oil. I'll pray over them and stuff like that in our service. But you understand, we understand as a church what we're doing there. We're not baptizing them. We're not conferring on them membership. We're not saying they're saved. We're not saying their sins have been washed away. In fact, a child dedication service really, it has everything to do with the child, but nothing to do with the child. Because the dedication service is you as parents bringing your child and saying, I dedicate this child, but I'm really dedicating myself to the nurturing and you know, training them up in the nurturing admonition of the Lord. We're going to train this child up. We're going to teach this child with the goal being that this child comes to faith in Christ at an early age. That's the whole goal of that. So that, those parents, when we do a baby dedication or a child dedication, you're dedicating yourself to bringing that child up right. That child has to make the decision. That child has free will. And we, we, we understand this. You can bring a child, you can do all the right things, and a child go wild and never come back to the Lord. But we don't want to put bricks up and build walls that would hinder children from coming to faith. We want to do everything we can in order to bring them to faith. Amen? And so that's what we're doing. That's, a de- that's the dedication. That's what's going on in that dedication service. And so... Not only is it the individuals with children that are doing that, but it's also a dedication time for the church because we want to come alongside. It's not the church's job to raise children. It's not. A lot of people think, well, you know, I, I don't have to teach them at home. You teach them at Sunday school. You teach them in church. That's, that, that's not really our job. Our job is to come alongside you and help you as you raise your children. It's your job to teach them. We're going to come alongside and help with that reinforce that. To teach, we're going to teach the Word of God and all those things. But we don't baptize, we don't baptize children. One, Anglin, uh, one Anglican dio, uh, diocese stated, since the very earliest day of the church, parents have brought their infants to be baptized in a ceremony which helps them express their love for the child and celebrate the gift of life and, and symbolizes the beginning of the child's journey of faith and their becoming part of the body of Christ, the worldwide Christian church. So I, I get where they're coming from. I mean, you read that, you understand, you get what they're thinking, but it's, it, 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 if you're going to go, you've got to go back to Scriptures. When we talk about the Scriptures, don't show anywhere where children were, were, were brought into membership. So for Methodists who practice baptizing persons of all age, whether infants or adults, the United Methodist Baptismal Covenant states, through the sacrament of baptism, we are uh, initiated into Christ's holy church. Infant baptism in United Methodist churches does require the parents to make a statement of faith on behalf of the child. Now, how can, how can a parent make a statement of faith for a child? How can, can you make a... Could, no one in here can make a statement of faith for me. I can't make a statement of faith for you. Only the person who, who makes the, whose faith, they have to state their own faith. So we, we can't... That, it makes just it makes no sense. So they have to make a statement of faith on behalf of the child, and it is therefore assumed that the parents are Christians who are active members in the congregation and willing to make a commitment to raise their child in the Christian faith. As children get older, they are asked to confirm the pledge for themselves 
Yet their membership in the church commences upon their baptism as infants. And I share with you, I think I shared this last week. You know, my sister was, was Methodist, and she, she had, uh, their son was baptized. And I thought, it's great. He's made a decision for Christ. He's probably six, seven years old. I thought, it's great. A few years later, she, she put something on Facebook about, I think, I think this child is, is, is right there. I think he's right there to being saved. And I went, wait a minute. All right, I don't understand. So I called her. And I told you all, you know, I called her, and she just went ballistic on me as soon as I said something. I calmed her down. I said, look, I'm not trying to, I'm not judging you. I'm not, I'm not telling you you're wrong. What I'm trying to do is figure out what y'all believe because that's different from what, what, what I believe and what we believe. It helped me understand that. So she said they baptize children. And so then if the child baptized at 6 and at 12 years old makes a statement of faith, they say they believe that God is as much in the baptism then you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's as though he was baptized after. I'm like, wait a minute. A, you know, a statement of faith, a, a scriptural baptism, we've talked about this, a scriptural baptism is baptism after salvation because it's part of your public profession of your faith. You can't have a public profession of your faith if you don't have faith. If you, haven't made a, if you don't have something to profess, you can't profess it. And then she even said that if the, the pastor were to re-baptize that child, they could lose their their position as a pastor. Be kicked out for that because they're rebaptizing. Um, another large Protestant denomination also accepts into membership baptized infants and children. A representative state, statement of this belief is that, uh, here, here's the statement, so children who have received the sacrament of holy baptism at Grace Lutheran Church and have been placed under the spiritual care of this congregation shall be considered baptized members, okay? Um, then there's others. So there's some of our, our you know, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, some of the views, the Catholic, different views there. So then there's open membership practice. So just open membership. In addition to the, these practices that Baptists would call erroneous views of church membership, that membership is not exclusively for saved people. They are also various movements within professing Christianity that downplay or even seek to eliminate any formal structure of church membership. These include a movement that says formal church membership is divisive, unnecessary, unloving, and excludes some genuine believers from certain privileges of membership. This philosophy regards the very idea of formal church membership as a man-made construct without any biblical support. Now, as I read that, my head spins. And it's not just because I have, have vertigo. I read that, and it sounds just like the whole liberal move today. Um, social construct. It's unloving. It excludes some people. I think I've shared this before. I had an aunt who was uh, in the, you know, I was, the only church I ever had before I was 13 years old was uh, some period of time at a Presbyterian church. Mom dropped us off for Sunday school and picked us up after Sunday school. Never heard the gospel, did flannel graphs, heard Bible stories. I know this early on, I believe the Lord was working in my heart because I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I just know, didn't know, nobody ever told me he died for me. Nobody ever told me I had sinned that, that, that I was going to go to hell for. But um, anyway, that church, years later, years later, um, my aunt, I had a great aunt or something that went to that church, and she said this. She said, you know, the difference between us and you is that we just, we just move the line out further. We just draw the line out further to be more inclusive. My head's spinning again. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. 
And yet that's what, that's what is going on today. Liberal theology coming into churches all over America. And it's not just other denominations and stuff. Baptists, you know, I think I shared this early on. Um, Baptists are kind of like, let me put it this way, like, don't, don't read, don't, let, me, let me explain it. All right, dogs. If I said somebody, there's a dog, then you got to go, what kind of dog, right? So you can have a chihuahua or you can have a Great Dane or a Mastiff or whatever. There's all these different kinds of dogs. It's kind of what Baptist is like. Because if you look around, there is, there is as many breeds of Baptists as there are dogs, okay? So you got to know what they are. I'm telling you what mainstream, fundamental, conservative Baptist is what we're looking at. Traditional, biblical, that's what we're looking at, what we believe. Another camp within the open membership uh, group includes the emergent church. Anybody heard anything about the emergent church? The emergent church is, you know, as I understand, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, well... You know, nothing is, is, you know, everything kind of moving. The way to, to way to the Lord. If, if salvation is a bridge to the Lord, then the bridge might be moved over here, might be moved over here. It doesn't have to be right here in exactly this way. It could be that way, basically any way you want it to be. It could be, you know, you could get, get there. This approach to the Christian faith focuses on a call to create small, informal, and unstructured congregations that are not connected to any denominational tr- traditions, or theological frameworks. This approach to Christian faith also projects an overt hostility to formal church membership. Yet another form of the open membership movement deals directly with some Baptist churches in particular. There are a number of loud voices advocating that Baptist churches should no longer insist that people uh, received into membership have been baptized by immersion upon a credible profession of faith in Christ Jesus. They insist that Baptist congregations should also allow individuals who have been uh, had infant baptism or baptism by pouring or sprinkling or even those who have had no baptism at all to be accepted into the membership as long as they profess faith in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, it's beyond the scope of this for us to break all that down. But I find it interesting that people come in. Here's what I say. If you don't agree with Baptist doctrine scripturally you disagree. There's, there's, a, there's a church out there that agrees with what you believe about the scriptures. If you have a biblical conviction that says that, that sprinkling or whatever is okay, that's the way, if that's the mode you believe, don't come into the Baptist church and try to change the Baptist church just because you have a different view. Does that make sense? There's such an arrogance in that. You know, I, I'm, I'm give you this. So when I first came here, I'm, y'all understand, I'm, I'm a, a fundamentalist. I think everybody here is, but a lot of you go, I'm not a fundamentalist because the media has portrayed that as a bad thing. You know what that means? It means you believe the fundamentals of the faith. You're, you're conservative. You believe the Bible. That's what that means. And so when I first got here, in the first, probably in the first three, four months, I had people, I had people saying, well, you know, he's been in independent Baptist churches. And he's probably he's gonna to try to take our church independent Baptist. I'd never do that. That's not to say our church would never become an independent Baptist church, because if the congregation said, you know what, we don't want to be a part of let's say the Southern Baptists go running crazy and 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 they get off the tracks, I mean really get off the tracks, like they're in some ways they're trying to do right now, at some point you may go, you know what, we don't want to be a part of that anymore. We're already an independent church. We are. 
There's no, no, nobody's over us. Nobody's looking at us and going, you know, I got to do this. Here's who you have to hire. Here's how you have to function. We are an autonomous church. We voluntarily associate with Southern Baptist. But I, I, my integrity, I didn't come here to take First Baptist Geneva, a Southern Baptist church, and make it an independent church. Now, I know guys that have done that and, have, and do that. Guys that go into independent Baptist churches and try to make them Southern Baptist churches. Go get a Southern Baptist church. If you want to be Southern Baptist, go get a Southern Baptist church. If you want to be Independent Baptist, go get an Independent Baptist church. If you want to be uh, part of the emergent church movement, don't take a good church and, and corrupt it. Have some integrity. Amen? Okay. So you know where I stand on that. All right, so the importance of local church membership. Since church membership is not required for a person's salvation, we understand that. It ain't required for salvation, and it don't give salvation. We talked about the, the, the view the Catholics have of if they, they baptize these children and they believe it washes away original sin. But even if it did, they're they going to sin. The little ones, we ain't got to teach them nothing. They're going to sin. Anybody got a two-year-old and they already see them sinning? Uh-huh. I, even younger than that. They just, I told Jordan wasn't even walking yet. I, she, probably wasn't, she, she probably wasn't one yet. And she knew no, what no meant. Even under one, she knew what no meant. This is my 24-year-old now. But she was crawling. We never let them get around the fireplace because my brother knocked teeth out in the fireplace. She's not getting around the stones of the fireplace. You can't go over there. And she knew that. And she's crawling and she's moving that way. And I said, Jordan, no. And she looked back at me. She looked back at me. <clears throat> That's sin nature. That's rebellion. And Gina hadn't been... been you know, grilling her during the week when I'm at work going, all right, and when Daddy says something, you do the opposite. You just, get, you just rebel, rebel. That's what we do. So you don't have to teach those things. Um, so church membership is not required for a person's salvation. Why is it emphasized by most Baptist leaders? There are several scriptural principles that help us see uh, its importance. Number one, membership in a local church establishes a person's commitment to Christ. Establishes a person's commitment to Christ. I have people that would tell me, um, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to go to church to worship. I can worship on my lawnmower on Sunday morning. You know what I'd say to that? You're absolutely right. But you know what I know? You won't. I can worship in a deer stand. You can. But you won't. You won't worship. You might read a verse or two. You're not going to worship. So there's, there's commitment. It, it, it establishes commitment. And we join anything. And that's part of the today. A lot, some people don't want to join churches. They don't want that because they understand it's a commitment. You go into a store and they try to get you to sign up for their mailing list. You go, no, 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 no. That's a commitment. I don't want, I don't, then I'm going to have to figure out how to get off that mailing list because it's, it's perpetual. But it does. Membership in a local church establishes a person's commitment to Christ. The church, the body, and the bride of Christ is God's designed organization in this age to carry out his plans for the world. And there's lots of verses. I think you have all these scriptures. And I encourage you to go and re- look these up and read these verses and see how they fit into to what we're saying here. So a Christian who commits to Christ would seemingly want to commit to the church that Christ is building. If this is the tool, and it is, the local church is the tool that God uses to further his kingdom. 
Now, I'll say God uses, there are parachurch organizations that God uses, amen? But they do not take the place of the local church. And when those organizations, when those organizations begin to usurp the local church, they're out of order. I believe they're, you can probably say it's even sinful what they're doing because they're usurping God's plan. So if they're going to use FCA, for example, the FCA is going to work out there. They can't work out outside of the local church. They need to come alongside the, the local church and, and, and be a part of that. That's why it's called para-church. They work with the church, enhance the church. It should be under the authority of the church. There's organizations out there now that because the government will recognize them legally as like a church organization, they now have taken on to um, ordaining people, baptizing people. I don't agree with that. FCA does it. Guys with FCA will take these kids out, and they want to they run them out to the ocean because it's, it's cool and it's neat and baptize them in the ocean. I believe that's an ordinance of the church. And I've told these guys, I said, you wanna, you're supposed to be working alongside the church. Now, you want to ostracize the church? You want to alienate yourself from the church? Then take, take a church's kids out and baptize them without their, their authority. That's a problem. So we want to be committed. The local church is the real life manifestation of Christ's transcendent universal church. Amen? Number two, membership in a local church places a person under God's ordained uh, spiritual leaders. God appoints specific leaders in the church whose spiritual leadership believers are to follow and learn from. Now understand, not blindly follow. Amen? Just because I'm the pastor... John Egger's an elder. Raymond Harrison's an elder. We, when we speak, don't, you know, it ain't E.F. Hutton. No, what he says is the gospel. It, you listen to what we say, and you go back and you check it. When I preach on Sunday mornings, you ought to be reading the scriptures. You ought to be looking. And if something you go, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, research it. Study it out. I'm not infallible. Okay? I can make mistakes. I may say, I may say something by mistake that I, I didn't mean to say. It may come across different. But I may say something that's not accurate. And you go, ah, that's not accurate. You know what? Come talk to me. Please don't come at me with guns blazing. But come to me and say, Pastor, here, here's how I see this. I, I, I welcome that. Okay? Um, these leaders assume responsibility before God for the direction of various local congregations. That leadership responsibility ind- indicates that there are followers for them to lead and guide, i.e. the visible church membership. Okay? So there, are, there, there, there is a, a spirit, we've talked about this, spiritual authority. There is spiritual authority within the church. God has ordained positions, ordained positions in government. That God has ordained. He's ordained that authority. He's ordained authority within the church. He's ordained authority within the home. So there's spiritual authority that we have to uh, submit ourselves to. Number three, membership in a local church establishes accountability for a person's spiritual life. We need to be accountable to the Lord for living holy lives. Amen? I think most of the time when people get away from church, that's probably one of the top reasons why they leave the church. Because they don't want accountability. Begin to slip. Don't want to be called on that. Some of them may not like when we send cards that say, we missed you. We send out our postcards. I had people get mad when I'd send them a card. They're like, I only missed one week. Why did I get a card? I'm like, because we missed you. 
said it right there. He says, we missed you. We miss you when you're not here. So now I'm like gun shy. I'm like, I don't know if I should send it or not. But what happens is people begin to drift away, and they don't want that accountability. They don't want someone saying, hey, brother, you know that's not right. You know what you're doing is not right. You know how you're living right now is not right. We, we have that accountability in here. I mean, if y'all thought I was up here drunk, y'all would hold me accountable, wouldn't you? I hope so. I'm not. I promise. I am, but I'm not intoxicated. Let me say it that way. Uh, number four, membership in a local church provides God's means for spiritual growth. God has designed the local church uh, or the church family to be an essential part of your daily maturing in the ways of the Lord. You can read those scriptures there. And the church is here to help us grow. I, I need it. I need this time. You know, I, 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 t- I teach. I preach on Sunday morning. So I don't, I don't get preached at except I got preached at all week as I studied, as I prepared. You know, and, the me- and God is working in me in those messages before I ever stand to preach them. Um, but it's, it helps me grow. And I encourage people, you know, so, all right, so I preach a 45-minute message. Here's what I hope. I hope you walk out of here with a nugget. I don't expect you to, I really don't expect you to, to, um, to remember the outline. I, I, three days later, you may not even remember what I talked about. But if you get a nugget, that's successful. If you get a nugget, you get one thing that you can, you, oh, that's good, that's good, that you can hold on to. And you can spend the week chewing on that, going back and, and reading it, thinking about it, meditating upon it, and letting God work in your heart with that. You know what's successful? I read something this week that said people forget about, they only remember like 20% of what they hear. I thought, wow, man, that's tough. Number five, membership in a local church provides God's structure for effective ministry. Each believer is equipped by God with a gift or gifts that allow him to help build God's kingdom. Within a local body of believers, God calls on the individual Christian to use his gifts to minister to others and edify the body of Christ. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 14 especially, but go read through it. And you, when you learn about gifts, our gifts are to be used within the context of the church, but then outside of the church. And there's, there's, everybody in here is different. Do you realize that? Everybody in here is different. If you're a believer, every person in here, you are unique. I love hearing people's stories. You know, I mean, I like, I like stories, okay? I like, I like good movies. I like good, I like good books that tell stories. I love stories. You know, what, you know what we are? We're stories. Ephesians 2 talks about, you know, we're, we're, we are as believers in eternity, we're going to be this. You know what we are? We're trophies. We're trophies. So... You go, to, you go to the College Football Hall of Fame, and what you do is you go see a, a Heisman Trophy. Well, you don't go, oh, man, that Heisman Trophy is so awesome. Man, that Heisman Trophy did so many wonderful things. That thing is just amazing. You don't do that. You look at that Heisman Trophy, and, and Barry Sanders wins the Heisman Trophy, and what happens is you read about and you learn about what Barry Sanders did to win that trophy. So in all of eternity, Ephesians says that we're, we're going we're gonna to be God's trophy case. And we're, for all of eternity, we're going to proclaim what he did to win us. And all the ways he worked in our life, how he won us. I mean, every story will be different. 
Trisha's story is so different from mine and so different from Brent's. Brent, you ha- do have a story, don't you? Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure. It's a good one. It all started when I blew up the toilets in high school. I dropped an M80 in there. I probably shouldn't have said that on live stream. I thought, that was Jeff Smith. Jeff's in trouble, man. All right. So those are, those are, that's the importance of church membership. Now, in addition, several advantages to church membership are, uh, are evident. Number one is this, identification. Being a member of a local Bible-believing church allows others to know what the church believes and where he stands regarding the Son of God and the message of the Bible. So what that means is you identify with this church and people know you go here, then they, they know you. They know what, then they can understand what the church believes, right? So if they know you, then you can tell them what the church believes. I've had people say, well, you, you Baptists, those Baptists over there, they believe so. I say, whoa, whoa, where'd you get that? Something crazy, you know? And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, we might be weird. We're peculiar, but, you know, that's, we don't believe that. So you can tell them what we believe. Um, I don't want to embarrass, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Some, someone, though, that's in here tonight was talking about how they're sharing with family. And they're going, hey, you know, those Baptists, they're okay. I, I like what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, I think they're right on. They're spot on or whatever. And so some would come in here and go, I didn't know what to think about Baptists. I mean, there's a lot of denominations out there that would go, oh, man, I ain't going to a Baptist church. Them folks are crazy. It could be, right? Some of them are. You go to Westboro, Baptist, they're crazy. They're, they're not even Baptist. Not even, okay. Yeah, exactly. No, I was just, I was thinking that. I'm not even sure any of them are saved when you act like that. But um, you represent, so you can, you can, um, you can be a voice. You can be a, there's identification with you and that denomination, so people can understand what the church believes, and the and the message of the gospel can go forward. Then there's investment. When a person is actually a part of an organization, knowing he truly belongs, he will take greater interest in the welfare of that organization. A Christian who purposely connects with a New Testament local church will be a desire, uh, 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 desirous to see that ministry blessed by God, and thus reap the uh, spiritual fruit of being fully invested. So if you if you really a believer comes in. I mean, the manzos back there, like they were telling me today, we've got to get our paperwork in. So they've, they've joined the church. They've, we've done the background check, um, got the paperwork, get the paperwork in so that they can, that we can go through that because they want to serve. They want to be a part of this. They want to invest in this ministry. They didn't come join just to sit, sit, sit out here and, and you know, just, just to be fed. They want to get involved and be a part of the work. Amen? So that's, that's what we should do. There's investment. And there's investment in all kind of ways. We should all invest of our time, talents, and treasures. We don't all, I mean, I can't stroke a check for $5,000 this month. I could, I guess. It bounce. <laughs> but, but, you know, somebody here could stroke a check for $50,000 if there was a need. Not everybody can do that. But everybody can give. You can give, give a part, and God doesn't ask you to give everything. And he just says, give back a part of that. Give some of your time back. I gave you that gift. Use that gift. Uh, we got we got Jason over there plays all these instruments. He's up here. He's up here using that to help lead us in worship. And I don't know anything else. 
Sally had told me that. Integrity. Number three is integrity. A Christian who commits to a local church will naturally bring a degree of stability and integrity to his family. A Bible-teaching congregation will assist any parent in helping their children walk with God in life. So if, if you're here, you're part of the church, we're, we're, here to, we're here to help you. We're all here to help you, right? So it's, it's encouragement. Kim sends out text. Every morning, every morning I get a text from Kim. Most, a lot of you probably do. Maybe most of you. Raise your hand if you get a text from Kim. Or if you don't, don't, don't be upset. It's, she'll get to you. She'll get to you. But she sends those out. They're encouraging. I hear people, person after person who says, oh, man, I, Kim sends out this text. I read it, and it's just, it just encourages me in the morning. So um, there's, there's, uh, when we commit to that, that church, there's stability and integrity that it brings to our family as well. Because, hey, you know, you've been in church. Let me say this. When you've been in church. So here's some good things to do when you leave church, especially if you have kids. Talk about what they learned. Talk about what they heard. Don't grill the preacher. Y'all hear that? Don't grill the preacher. Don't grill the music. Don't complain about the temperature because your kids will hear that. Don't, don't teach your kids to... I, I, there's a story, I, I, I've got it somewhere, and it goes on and on, and they're all griping about everything. Their hair was too big, and her perfume was too strong, the music was too loud. Preacher was, you know, he was this, that, and the other. And, and the little boy says, yeah, but Daddy, wasn't it a great show for a dollar? <laughs> well, that's a great show for a dollar, Dad. We should have integrity. Then there's interdependence. There's, uh, there's a great sense of unity and bonding with fellow believers in doing life together in a local congregation. How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you are, are you would say your church family, you're closer to your church family than, than a lot of your blood family? You know, it's, there's, there's something about the local church. Hard, hardest thing, you know, when we've moved from different churches and been in different ministries, the hardest thing is always the people. One leaving Georgia that was hard. It was leaving the people there in Georgia. When we left Indiana, you know, it wasn't hard leaving Indiana. It was hard leaving the people. It was, in fact, easy leaving Indiana because it was cold. Um, but it was hard leaving the people. And, uh, you know, if the Lord ever calls us from here, that'll be hard. That'll be heart-wrenching because you have relationships. There's, there's this interdependence we have because we're doing life together. As one commits to join hearts and hands with, with that membership in a unified spirit, Great service to God and man is thus rendered. So we work together. Man, I love what's going on with the ladies' ministry. They're, they're discipling, they're mentoring, they're helping. You know, we're, we're developing this idea of the older ladies teaching the younger ladies. That doesn't always mean um, older in age. Sometimes it's someone who's an older, just an older Christian. You have a 30-year-old who's been a Christian for 20 years and is really, really mature and could, and could mentor a 40-year-old who's been a Christian for four months. So it's, it's older, more mature, teaching younger. It's a great thing. And as we pray through and de- develop a men's ministry, we see the same thing. But it's helping the body grow. Amen? Anyone who has received the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior ought to be a part of a Bible-believing fellowship of believers. The entrance into such fellowship is via, via the biblical teaching um, and Baptist doctrine is distinctive of saved church membership. We as Baptists believe that. If you're going to be a member, 
then you need to be a saved member. Okay? You got to be born again, then you should be baptized, and then you enter into church membership. Edward T. Hiscock, um, one of the old lions of Baptist doctrinal distinctives in history from generations past, once wrote on this topic. He said, if our churches are to fulfill their mission, remain true to their traditions, and honor their apostolic pretensions, they must insist with unabated vigor on a regenerated membership. Nor must they insist on it in theory only, but take every precaution to maintain it in practice. None of this means that everyone who becomes a member of a Baptist church is necessarily a true born-again believer in Christ. People can and often do publicly profess Christ but still uh, be unsaved. Yet that does not negate the biblical pattern of received, baptized, added that we see in the book of Acts as the principle by which New Testament churches should take their cue. So again, I'll just say this. The practices that we do as Baptists, the practices we do as First Baptist Geneva, we seek to, to follow the Scriptures, not traditions of man, not something... Man, if something becomes a, if it becomes something like a tradition, those are dangerous, right? It's just dangerous. Here's one of the things I like to do. I like to change things up from time to time because I don't want us to feel like later on, wow, that that ain't the way we do it. Now, okay, there's things, um, there's things that are dying. And when they die, we should dismount. If the horse is dead, you know, dismount. Don't, don't keep kicking it. Does that make sense? So we, we don't want to get caught up in traditions. We want to try to do it the way God says do it. And if God's silent on it and there's, there's you know, it can be a preference thing, then we find what our preference is. There's some things I would do a certain way. The pastor Aaron would probably do a different way. Raymond would probably do a different way. John would do a different way. And everybody in here would do it a different way because we're all unique. Amen. So that's okay. But when the scriptures tell us how to do it, then that's how we're going to do it. Amen? All right. Done with that. 